coming soon. Uh, I've been blessed to know a lot of different people out there that work in a lot of different facets of media and entertainment and really just trying to use my network as, as positively as possible. People have exploded businesses with just their Instagram. Somebody just coming out of college, get your Instagram up to par. Find a look that you like and create that over and over. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Visual Wow, the podcast for people passionate about live events. We're obsessed with creating and capturing those wow moments. This is the place the top pros come to share their secrets. Now, here's your host, Jack Hartsman. Welcome back, Visual Wow community. I am Jack Hartsman, your host, and today I am here with Shawnee Cameras, Media Ninja digital guru to the stars and all around good guy, photographer, videographer, producer, director, editor. The man simply does everything known to mankind when it comes to digital media, photography, and the visual arts. Also, David Hartsman. Yes. Recognize the last name. Uh, my number one son, photographer extraordinaire. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Jack. Good to see you. And David, it is really quite a pleasure to have you on the show as well. Yeah, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So, gentlemen, uh, we are going to, or I'm going to try to get the two of you to uh, break me out of my wedding and bar mitzvah and portrait mode and talk about things that are uh, outside of the events community or the events social community as I live in, um, but also bring uh, both of your youthful uh, eyes and ears to the program, uh, as well as the diversity that Sean is LA-based, even though this is being recorded from Rehoboth Beach uh, on the mm-hmm. East Coast. But Sean is uh, definitely Hollywood and LA-based. And David, you are now based in Denver, Colorado. So why don't we uh, why don't we start with Sean? And uh, Sean, how about a little background? Uh, to me, you you're as award winning and and as a stud as I know in the world of visual communications and things that you've done with all the awards in LA. And your client list reads from Walmart to the World Bank to Toyota and Facebook, uh, UPS, and then it goes on and on and on. But tell me about yourself. What are you really doing right now? And before COVID hit. Uh, how is the world in LA and how was that treating you then? And what is it treating you now? Really amazing question. So yeah, I moved to Los Angeles uh, two, three years ago, I moved to California three years ago and uh, relocated to Santa Monica first and then uh, North Hollywood, California uh, in the Valley, right by Universal City, Studio City. And since then really just been kind to trying to set my feet and find some sort of momentum. Uh, I've been blessed to know a lot of different people out there that work in a lot of different facets of media and entertainment from DJs and record producers and musicians to working actors and producers and, you know, for TV and music videos and films and really just, uh, trying to use my network as, as positively as possible and trying to get my hands as many pots and as possible. Uh, everybody out there, you know, uh, has three to four to seven to 12 different avenues of hustles that they kind of do. You can't really just do one thing really well. Uh, so, well, some people can, you know, but most of us kind of have to do several things to try to see A, what hits, B, what makes money, C, where the passion is, or, you know, D, where all three of those things kind of lie. So a lot of people have a lot of different hustles. I'm blessed to have a big network that has a lot of those different hustles that can also help maybe reciprocate to, you know, one of the strengths that I possess. So basically with all these different avenues and shiny things and everywhere to kind of go, I 
had to kind of come back with in myself and realize why I moved out there. And what I moved out there really for was to work within the music industry as a working media photographer, videographer, filmmaker, music video director, things along those lines. So since being out there, I've been fortunate enough to work on some, you know, major music videos. I've worked on low budget music videos for myself and others. I've done studio sessions behind the scenes, uh, some documentary type stuff for a studio out there for a really large Latin artist. And just trying to get my hands in as many pots as possible to try to carve out a career and set myself out a little bit differently than people that have been there for a long time in a very oversaturated market. Kids that are younger than me that possess way more technical know-how than I do and have a strong network. It's, it's a very fierce competition, but it's been very rewarding and been blessed to be able to work with some idols and some heroes that I grew up watching and uh, just being treated as an equal uh, in a town where it could be very easily to, you know, feel beneath them. So it's been, uh, it's been an amazing experience so far. I'm really interested and happy to see where it could go to, and I'm not ready to give up. You should absolutely not give up. I personally have, uh, I know you came home to spend some time with family and friends here in the DC area. Um, and the minute you told me you were on the ground, I certainly s- swooped you up to start having you back in our corral, being able to do some, uh, some, some videography for us. Cause to me, you've always been a guy with, with a creative flair, even in your days, uh, several years ago when you still lived here that Washington talent called you out for all of our music videos, because, uh, I think you've got an incredible eye. You've always had a grasp for technology and how to make it work for you. So, you know, I know you just talked about the young kids in your life and the people that are around the Hollywood based area, but I don't think they hold a, a, anything to you. Uh, I, I see a guy in you and a talent in you that is equal to anybody else's I've ever worked with. So take the compliment where it's coming from and, and don't shortchange short, short change yourself like that. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff that, that you have yet to put onto the world. Um, Felt and received to that, Jack. You are very welcome, sir. And to that, let's move over to David, uh, someone who, uh, uh, yes, I've obviously known him his entire life, but someone who helped uh, Monica and I build the Washington Talent Photography Empire 10 years uh, as the backbone of our studio, both from an operational standpoint and somebody who grew into being his own photographer uh, in his own right, whether it was weddings or bar and bat mitzvahs or corporate parties or portraits. Uh, I couldn't be more proud. My dad was a nuclear engineer. I didn't exactly go to work with him every day. David had a little bit more of a camera uh, in his hand at a younger age. And then a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, you decided to spread your wings a little bit and go to Denver. With your knowledge base, how did you find your event experience being in your wheelhouse when you started going after the concert world, which is something I know you've had a passion for most of your adult life. How, how do those things uh, coincide? So I reached out to a few different uh, music promoters in the area. Um, there's uh, uh, so many different venues. One of the biggest reasons I moved to Denver was for the music. Um, and, and, uh, I reached out to some of the venues and saw if they uh, asked if they needed any photographers for any upcoming events. There uh, was one club that actually uh, let me in, uh, the Black Box. It's a great uh, small small club, about 500, 600 people max um, capacity, but it's, uh, it's very much what it sounds like. It's called the Black Box for a reason. So it was walking into a very, very dark room. Um, 
that uh, had very little light going on. So with uh, everything that I've learned, uh, you know, here in Maryland from you um, over the last decade, I was able to really transform my photography in that room with additional lighting and learning the different angles that, uh, that that room allows because it is such a small place. I actually reached out to some of the artist friends that I have. I know a few musicians who have been touring um, around the country and they happen to stop in Denver because it's such a hot spot for music. Uh, and with that, uh, I've been able to shoot at other venues as well. I'm still trying to get my foot uh, fully in the door, my, uh, but, uh, you know, just uh, doing what I can to get into that market. It's definitely something I want to do. My love for music really keeps me wanting to shoot in that realm. And uh, yeah, so I'm just uh, working on keeping that up now with uh, COVID. There's not much live music going on these days, so it's definitely taking a back seat. But uh, hoping that uh, in the not too distant future that those come back and uh, I'll be able to get back out there and keep shooting that way. So we all hope that's going to happen. And and you know, unfortunately, with since none of us have a crystal ball, there is clearly no uh, you know end date to what we're dealing with in the COVID world right now. But uh, I certainly feel your sentiments. And Sean, I'm sure you would agree as well. Amen. David, I, 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 I'm going to stick with you for just a second to ask you, um, based on you, you know how kind of my attitude is about if you're properly trained in the wedding and the event world, you can accomplish anything. You can tackle, <laughs> you know how to talk to people. You know how to deal with diversity. You know how to deal with adversity. Um, you can solve a problem for just about anything because uh, that's what you do when you're in the event world. Uh, not many parents uh, would say this uh, publicly, but um, when visiting you in August last year, I actually went to the black box with you to a <laughs> uh, exceptionally loud EDM show. And uh, I had some of your friends and some total strangers walking over to me saying, what are you doing here? Because I was at least 15 years older than anybody else in the club. And it was a heck of an experience. But for me, one of the coolest thing was watching you shoot and knowing how your brain works and seeing you do things. I mean, I see concert photographers all the time. Uh, I was a concert photographer myself 25 years ago. Um, how did you, a guy who knows how to use flashes and gels and, and having the experience and equipment that you have, how did you find that helping you or hindering you when talking to club managers or artists that you really didn't know what you were doing? You're just not some young punk with a camera that's trying to get to concerts for free. Yeah, so it definitely um, helped with troubleshooting. You know, growing up in the event industry here really taught me a lot about solving problems if something is going wrong how to make something work for what you or to look the way you want it to look um with walking into this very dark room the first time i was there i didn't have everything in my wheelhouse with me i only brought a small backpack of equipment so when i was walking into this dark dark room i wasn't getting the pictures that i wanted they were very dark. It was very difficult for me to shoot at a speed that was fast enough to stop any motion. Even though a DJ isn't necessarily moving all that much, when you have a heavy backlight from a, a screen behind them and, uh, and no light anywhere else, 
it definitely was difficult. So I quickly learned what I couldn't, couldn't do. I couldn't bring in, you know, a ton of light because it's called the black box for a reason. I couldn't uh, put stands up in places because it's not like an event where I can, where I have all the room I need. I started bringing in small flashes with gels. Actually, I started without gels. Um, so it's just white light um, coming from the back of the artist. And it was kind of giving side light. It was, it was skimming, skimming the, uh, the artists. And it was, it was working for what I was looking for. But then I changed and I tried to figure out something to make it look even better. And I learned that gels work really well in that environment because it doesn't necessarily just look like, uh, you know, straight white light that's lighting the, the, uh, the artist. It actually almost uh, brings you into the environment that these DJs are in uh, you know, with, with color and it looks more like stage lighting than, than just white light that's lighting the subject. So you're adding to the experience instead of making it about you at that point, which I love. Exactly. And, and in my opinion, I thought the pictures were coming out incredibly. I was, I, I had it down. I was going to the black box two, three times a week. Um, which is, you know, a 15 minute drive from my house. So it wasn't that big a deal. Uh, and I, every time I went, I would change something and I kept learning and I, you know, every show was a little different. Some shows had more production than others. David, I'm going to interrupt real quick, but I love how you had the foresight to use gels, not only for, you know, aesthetic reasons and technical reasons, but, you know, it's the white light, the flashes going off and things of that nature. You're, it, it's adding to the ambiance of the club and the production experience and helping you take better photos. So I just want to tap, you know, pat you on the back for that. It's a really great move. Yeah. Thanks. It really, it, it really makes you feel more immersed in the, in the event because it's not just, it's not just, you know, white light shining on these artists, just, just showing who they are. Because a lot of these artists don't even like to have their faces seen. So instead of throwing white light on them with a, a, you know, a non-gelled flash, um, putting some color in there really brings them into the, into the scene. And even though, you know, those lights aren't necessarily actually there in the show, um, it really looks like it's part of the show. And I've even brought different colored gels, you know, for different shows. And sometimes there's like a, a, a more red-ish theme to the visuals behind the artist. And sometimes there's a more bluish theme. And, and whenever that happens, you know, I'll, I will, if, if I'm thinking that, you know, these colors aren't quite matching right, I'll change it you know, make it look like it's actually part of what's happening there. So I just want to go on the record that it is really neat to hear you guys talk about this. A lot of our visual wow listeners are used to really accomplished professionals, or as you guys like to remind me, you know, old guys like me uh, with incredible credentials and Capitol Hill photographers and world renowned wedding photographers and all that kind of stuff. And I just want to say to the visual wow listeners that, um, you know, having Sean and David on the show is one of the ways that we are going to really tap into the photographic community and say, look, you've got the talent. The world is not the same based on your 
age group. And these are two incredible aspiring professionals. And I use the word aspiring, probably shouldn't. I should, they're aspired. Both of these guys are award-winning photographers, but they're still trying to carve out their niche, just like uh, myself and, and many of the people we've had here on the show when we were at the same age. So Visual Wow is not just going to be a place for a bunch of uh, you know 50 and 60-year-old photographers. I think what you guys are doing is absolutely spectacular. Um, there's a lot of me that has a lot of envy to what you're doing. I mean, yes, David, you are my son, but I was traveling back in the days and I was touring with people like Prince and Bruce Springsteen and Genesis and things like that in the 80s and in the early 90s. And, you know, it, it was fun, uh, but it's a whole different world now in the club scene. We didn't have that when I was your age. And so I think what you're doing is great. And I don't usually do this uh, in show notes, but both in the show notes and uh, on the visualwild.com website, uh, there's going to be a little portfolio of both Sean's work and David's work uh, to show off some of these cool pictures that we're talking about. And you can actually see what David's talking about with gels. And Sean, why don't you chime, chime in with the same thing, whether it's video or whether it's photo, what are you doing differently in the club scene or seeing in music videos uh, and the likes uh, Hollywood side? It's kind of tough to answer that question because the last show I shot was like seven months ago. It seems like a, you know, a world away. Um, I'll tell you what I have, what, what hasn't changed. Cause I don't know what I'm doing differently. Cause it's, it just seems like a forlorn thought. And I want to get back to what David said about also not using white light a to make yourself part of the scene and part of the show. I, uh, myself included has fallen victim to where I've seen a lot of photographers and videographers make the show about them on stage. They get caught up in the hype and it's easy to you're in front of 30,000 people or 300 people or whatever it may be. It's easy to feel that energy and to kind of like throw your hands up and kind of try to like, you know, MC the crowd a little bit and you got to chill out. I've seen a lot of young photographers trying to make the show about them. And I, I think that's why I give David a lot of aplomb because using the gel, not only for an aesthetic choice, but also for, I mean, <laughs> without even thinking about it, respect uh, to the audience and the paid concert goers is a number one. And that's one thing I've really tried to always try to remember is not make the show about you and don't block the people that have paid to see the show with hard earned money. If they are there front row, that means they got there early to get their front row. And David said something also that got cut off, but it was something to the effect of, you know, it's better to ask for forgiveness than it is for permission. And there are times where I've had to like stand in front of people just to get the shot or because I needed it for, you know, maybe an article I was writing or for the artist that I'm working with or whatever. And I always try to make sure to, you know, either apologize or show them the photo just to be like, Hey, I'm so sorry, but this is why I was there and yada, yada, yada. So the respect for the concert go goer is number is, you know, is up there in the top three respect for the promoter. This is all things that I've really tried to remember going forward. And of course, respect for the artist that's on stage. I like to always try to go up, prior to, if I can, you know, and tell them, hi, my name is Shawnee. I'll be shooting for you because of so-and-so, or, Hey, it's good to see you again. I haven't seen you since, you know, X, Y, Z last time I shot with you, but I just want to let you know, I'll be shooting with you. If you need me to back off, just give me eyes or use nonverbals. If you want me to use a flash, I'll use a flash. If you don't want me to use a flash, that's fine. Uh, just, I just want you to have a good show and take some really great content of you. And I hope you have a great one. And I just don't want to make it about me or infringe on your craft and for the people that are paying money to be here. So those are just kind of some things that I've always tried to remember going forward. And a lot of young photographers, I feel, could really, you know, um, you know, use in their arsenal 
because, you know, a lot of them are, I, I find them very brash and mouthy and they don't have a lot of respect for a lot of things and people. So they'll do whatever they want to get the shot or step on who's ever toes to get it. And I know that from working with, you know, photographers in festival settings and things like that, where, you know, they'll jockey in front of you and block your shot to get your shot. And then I've worked with other photographers that'll like stand in the place that you want for three minutes. And then you guys just round robin and then trade in and out. And, you know, you tag them in, tap them on the shoulder. So I think just having respect for the venue, the artist that's on stage, the concert goer, the promoter, you want to be asked back and you, you don't want to make that impression. So that's just something I really want to always continue forward in the work that I do. And even to the fact when I'm shooting front row in the pit, that, you know, that line where security stands between the stanchion and the crowd and the stage, there's steps there. And I try to sit on the steps when I'm not shooting so that the front row concert goers, if it's like, you know, a 23 year old girl who's like five, three, she's not going to see you over my big ass. So I got to make sure that they get what they paid for too. And only you know, rise up and take the shot when the shot, you know, is there. So I think just having respect for your audience, the venue and, and the artists uh, is, is really a number one. And so then I'll try to always remember going forward. Sean, I just want to compliment you on your comment about uh, knowing where you're standing because we get paid to be at these events and other people are paying to be at the events, or even if it's not a paid event, if you're doing a corporate conference, if you're shooting a wedding, remember that wherever you stop, there are people firmly standing behind you who don't want to see the back of your head uh, or any of your other body parts. Um, Again, I've been teaching this to photographers for years and years and years, but so many young people today are learning their craft from the internet and they don't have anyone mentoring them. Uh, David, what what are your memories about coming up in the game and, and how we used to talk about always being aware of your place? Yeah, I think, I think knowing not to be in front of people, you know, it certainly comes with experience. You know, I've been I've been shooting weddings for ten years. I've been I've been doing this a long time, and and knowing that there's people who were invited guests or, like you said, who are paying to be there. It's it's just experience. It comes from experience and knowing that that um, that 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 is an actual problem. And you know, you've brought other photographers into the company before and you've thrown them on jobs with me and, and, you know, I have to pull them out of the way because they're standing in the middle of the dance floor during a, during, you know, uh, a speech or something. And they're standing there and not paying attention to all the people that are right behind them who can't, who now can't see whoever's giving this speech. Um, and it, the same thing goes for uh, music photography for concerts because people are paying to see these artists. And, and when I, you know, there are certainly times where I walk in front of the stage and I, and I'll, you know, grab a, a shot of the artist, but I'm there for, you know, less than 10 seconds. I take my 10 pictures in 10 seconds and, and walk out. Roll out. Yeah. And, and roll out that way. And, and, you know, then I'll go back and I'll, you know, luckily in today's age, I can actually look at the back of my camera to make sure I did in fact get the shot. You know, if I didn't get it, then I'll wait for the next moment that, I, that it's a possibility for me to get that shot again. I won't just go right back out and get in front of these people again. It takes, it takes experience to learn that etiquette. It's, it's, it's an etiquette that, a lot of new new photographers don't understand. 
you know, I came home for a wedding. I came back to Maryland here for a wedding not too long ago. And uh, I was shooting with somebody who I've never shot with before. Um, one of my friends that I met in Colorado, he happened to have a client. He's from this area. He happened to have a client um, have a wedding in, in Virginia. And he's standing in the middle of the aisle. It was his job. It was his event. So I wasn't going to, you know call him out on it at the time, but you know, he's standing in the middle of the aisle to get the shot for five minutes and, and that's just too long. And it's the same thing with music. So, you know, it's, it's experience. He's only been shooting for a couple of years. Um, it's, it's, it all comes down to experience. I just want to say real quick, uh, you can put this in or not, but Jack, I think you'd be super proud of me. I actually did a bar mitzvah, Oh uh, God, like a year plus ago, in LA, it was for, uh, an important broker at William and Morris, uh, endeavors. And I, I told myself I would never do another bar mitzvah unless you asked me or something, you know what I mean? Like in LA, it's not why I went there, but I needed the money and I wanted to do it. And if she's William and Morris, you know, it was like, this could lead to big things. And I showed her all the video after I never cut anything together, but she complimented me at the end of the night. And she goes, I just want to say, I was looking for you the entire time and I could never find you. But every time I saw you, you were getting the shot that I needed, but I could barely see you. And I took that as the highest form of compliment because it's like, I knew because of working with you, I knew exactly the key moments to hit during the bar mitzvah. And I knew exactly where to stand, where I wasn't part of the show. And I just, I mean, I to tell you that for like a year and a half, like <laughs> it no, was such a good compliment. Listen, I, I, I appreciate the compliment. Uh, I, I certainly, uh, it's nice to know that those things that look, uh, the, the things that were taught to me, a lot of people, they don't subscribe to them. The people who know my background, that they know about the Monty Zuckers and the Don Blairs and, and the Ed Pierces and things like that. Uh, the people that I learned from, um, the, the modern day photographer doesn't learn in the mentoring world that, that those of us who came up in the 80s and 90s learned. And so it's, it's been jobs like, like mine and some of the people that I work with, my contemporaries, Rodney Regala and Clay Blackmore and people of those natures here in the area that we're trying to teach you guys the little fundamentals is not about F-stop and shutter speed. The best compliment we can get is when someone says, I didn't even know that you were there. I, I'm thrilled that, that she said that to you. And thank you for the recognition. I really do appreciate it. Both of you have, um, have asked me what the purpose of this podcast is going to be on the photographic side. And, and one of the things is to be able to give access to young photographers, to mentors, people like myself, like some of my contemporaries that have been coming on the show, um, where we can actually virtually go into a studio with people, teach them how to do posing and lighting on their own subjects when they're doing a shoot, or just have conversation like this. I'm still helping wedding photographers write co uh, corporate proposals for jobs, and I'm writing, uh, teaching corporate photographers how to understand the wedding market. It all comes with experience. And to the two of you, uh, it's really great to hear about how your experiences are, are being used in the everyday stuff that you're doing now. Amen. With that said, I'd like to pivot to a conversation that, Sean, I'm going to start with you. And that is, I know that you are mentoring people yourself and teaching young photographers. And um, I, I'd like to know what it's like for a guy like you who, who left the D.C. area, moving out to the West Coast trying to carve your own little spot in, in, in the world of, uh, or as I like to call you, the, the Swiss army knife of the digital media world. How, how do you teach that skill set 
to a young person and tell them how to get along, where to, how to, how to cut their own, their own mark in, in, in the community and how to fend for themselves and how important IG is or any other form of getting your portfolio out to people, what the hustle is all about. How do you teach that to a young person today? Man, I think, well, a number one is to realize that the best camera you have is the one you have on you. And, you know, whether it be your iPhone or just a point and shoot, it's how you use it, how to, you know, composition, framing, shutter speed, aperture, all that. It comes later, you know, as long as you can compose a shot or find an interesting place that no one's been or, or hasn't seen it from that perspective before. I think that's really, really important. So just understanding the best camera is the one you have on you is, is definitely number one. And, you know, like for my friend Alex that I'm kind of helping along in his, you know, photo journey, it was to kind of get him into the DSLR space. And that I sold him an old Canon 7D with some bells and whistles to help him get started. And within a year, he just exploded into the stratosphere of just learning and knowing what it is he wanted to do. And, you know, LA was such an amazing varied landscape and historical landmarks and, and sight lines and things along that nature. You know, he was able to really kind of capture that very, very quickly. And also being savvy at social media and Instagram was able to build up a very, uh, you know, good following very quickly and get a lot of reposting and retweeting. I wish I had more knowledge in, I, I would say, say knowledge. I wish I had more success in using social media for my advantage. I f- swear I've tried everything under the sun to make it work to my advantage because that's a lot of how Los Angeles and the world, you know, but it's a lot of how, you know, credit and clout get attributed, especially in Los Angeles. And it's never really taken me to where I would have hoped it would have gone or is going based off the strength of the content that I put up or even the strategy I use in trying to post, you know, strategically or, or effectively. So I can't really, unfortunately, attest to the, the, the strengths of my social media game. But just to, to walk somebody along and see their eyes light up, you know, as you tell them something and then they apply it and it works is really, really gratifying. And to have somebody like him and a couple others, you know, look up to me and kind of give me that, you know, that, that qualification and that validation is, is humbling, you know, and it's, it kind of gives them a benchmark as to where they hope to be. And in reality, it's like, well, I got to hope to be where you are on Instagram. Like I need to get reposting. I need to get followers. I need to get, you know, X, Y, Z to work in my favor. Um, but I think, um, you know, you don't need expensive gear to take great shots. And Alex, you know, I, I think I opened up his eyes, you know, because I go on a lot of hikes in Los Angeles. and I've been doing a lot, you know, since I've been back in Maryland, D.C. And he's been looking at a lot of the photos that I've been posting, which I only do with my iPhone while, while I'm out there. I'm not going to bring out my rig to, to do that. I mean, maybe, you know, eventually I'll take some cool landscape and stuff, but it's just not really my bag. So I just bring my, my, my iPhone and I have Snapseed, which is an amazing third-party app that I use to touch up the photos in camera. I don't bring them into Photoshop or anything like that. And it really kind of opened his eyes. And uh, I saw the lights go on where he's like, I, couldn't, I didn't know you could do that with an iPhone. I didn't know those pictures could look that good. So I think it really is a great way to start is to start understanding the basics and the limitations of whatever camera you have on you, whether it be an Android or whether it be an iPhone. And, um, and start to explore, 
you know, the real basics, the one-on-ones, and then work up to, you know, a micro four thirds or a super 35 DSLR. And the one thing that I also tell people too, that are just starting off is, you know, you should have a decent body, but bodies change every two, three months exponentially, but you always invest in good glass. You always invest in good glass because the value will basically never go down. And the quality of good glass will, I think, trumps, you know, that of... I, I um, completely agree. I, of, I completely yeah, agree. Of a, of a bad body. I'll, I'll even give credit to uh, to Miss Bonnie Collier, my photography teacher in 10th grade uh, at Walter Johnson High School, who had a big sign up on the wall that said, the photographer makes the camera, not the other way around. Don't look at what your, what your friend's camera is. Look at what you have and make it work That's for right. you. David, what is your take on the social media world and how and the power of, of Instagram uh, or f- Facebook or uh, the other mediums that are out there? How do you think, uh, whether it's the music world or just uh, if you were saying to somebody, again, at your age, uh, I would like to take credit and I would like to... <laughs> I would like to compliment you for having a lot more photography knowledge and experience than the average person does uh, at your age. But, but how do you, what would you say to a a kid coming out of college or a a typical 25 year old who's trying to get into photography, the value or the importance of their social media presence? Social media is a very powerful tool these days. Um, I definitely believe that it has the ability to exponentially expand someone's business, um, especially in the photo world with Instagram being as seeing, seeing the beauty that Instagram can display. Um, you know, people, people have exploded businesses with just their Instagram. Somebody just coming out of college, get your Instagram up to par. Find a look that you like and create that over and over and and show your style in, in that way on, on social media. I think it, it, it really can definitely help. You can have your friends share your pictures. You can have your friends. That That's the easiest thing is having your friends um, well, let me, let me jump in. I mean, I think David, you said a really, really important thing. It's, it's style and it's a visual style. I mean, obviously it's a visual medium that we're doing. And I think that's maybe one of my biggest deficits is if you look at my page, which to answer Jack's chat is at Shawnee cameras with two N's S E A N N I E cameras. Um, there there's, it, it is kind of all over the place. And even last year I took down, I think like 2,800, photo and video posts and tried to glean it into a personal style that shows why I moved to LA, which is like culture and food and music and models and, you know, uh, graffiti and, and, you know, cool kind of counterculture type stuff. And I think it really comes down to, to like a visual style. And that's why I even, um, not only did I, you know, purge a lot of my posts, but I then reverted to a grid format, where I would do like three posts and try to also get away from the carousel so much. Because if you have 30 photos, why would you do three posts of 10 photos when you could do 30 posts? 
you know, of the 30 photos and let each one breathe. But then again, that kind of jams your pipeline and then the algorithm will drive you down because you're posting too much. Allegedly. I don't really know anymore. You know, like I said, I mean this Instagram, you know, with this love hate relationship, but I like having the grid format. I've had a lot of compliments on the grid format. The problem is when you do that, you have to have three posts lined up because otherwise it'll start moving your boxes around and it'll look kind of janky and you lose the style super quick. So I think it really comes into having a visual style, not only just how the Instagram is laid out because it's your digital calling card, but also in what the visual content represents. If you're heavy into, you know, bringing in like third party presets and effects with like lighting or, you know, your Lightroom skills, you know, that's going to translate really, really well. But if you're somebody like me, who's more of like a natural light shooter, especially recently where I've been doing, you know, portrait sessions that are outside and naturally lit and socially distanced that needs to come across in the first 30 posts. And I am not a good practicer. I don't necessarily practice what I preach. And I, you know, so listen to what I say, don't do what I do, but I think that's really, really important. And there's a lot of other third-party apps that I have not explored that I, once again, I should, but I haven't that help you kind of curate your own style, whether it be, you know, white borders along every photo or a white matte backdrop to help every photo pop or, you know, however you do it. Um, you know, who's got a really great, great Instagram that my good friend, Drew DeCaro, AKA Falconry put me on to a couple of years ago is Anderson pack. He has a phenomenal, phenomenal Instagram page where each one is laid out almost like a digital advent calendar. It's absolutely brilliant. It's absolutely gorgeous. And, um, it's not necessarily my style. I've kind of kept it a little bit more basic. Like I said, with, you know, a couple carousels, but try to stay away from as much as possible and the grid format, um, to kind of represent my work. And I get a lot of compliments on it from a lot of people. Now, whether those compliments translate to likes, follows, and bookings, not necessarily, but at least I get some quote-unquote digital daps, you know, when it comes to myself. And the thing about an Instagram is that, in my opinion, it's your easiest way to have a portfolio. It's your easiest way to send somebody, hey, go look at my Instagram, and that's the kind of work that I like to do, and that's the kind of... Uh, that's the kind of style that I have when I'm shooting. And, and, you know, if you like that, give me a follow. If you like that book me, you know, but, but I think, you know, people, people spend so much time working on an individual portfolio website um, when Instagram has that platform and you can put so much on there, you can provide a link to your online portfolio that's not on instagram but your instagram turns into you know a quick snippet into what you do how you do it and how it turns out as a final product and like this is say what david says even to move it to like the video side and pivot to that <clears throat> is also kind of maybe try to post stuff whether it be in your stories that are indicative of your life because at the end of the day is like shawnee cameras is a brand he's a guy he's an entity though but he's also kind of trying to be a little bit larger than life so the things that I do in post should seem a little bit more larger than life. And to move it to the video side, um, you know, like if you look at my highlight reels, the ones that are caught in the highlight that are, if you go to the page, you'll see like each highlight is a different button. Those buttons are my reels. Those are my video reels. Those are my brand new reels that I cut during quarantine to showcase my event work, my BTS work, my music video work, and my branded content work. 
And those are right there. So just to attribute to David's fact about this being a digital calling card and how the world needs to see you and whether or not you need a website anymore, which you do, as well as a LinkedIn and as well as, you know, all your stuff dialed in. But I think it's really important, at least for me, to have my video reels represented there to not pigeonhole myself as only a photographer, but also a filmmaker and a videographer and a visual artist as well. Now, if you're a photographer, what I would represent, you know, recommend to somebody like that is to put maybe like their 20 best images and have like concert and have that be one highlight button. And another one would be like food. Another one would be like models. Another one would be like cars. Another one might be graffiti or landscapes or street photography, anything like that. I didn't choose to do that. I kept it to my videos so people can know that I do both very, very well. And that's how I want to be represented. And that's my style. So. Well, listen, I, I can't thank you both enough for being a part of the program. I, um, I, I'm a little bit, uh, I'm boarding on a cross between speechless and a little viclump listening to two people who I have watched grow over the last decade uh, into the incredible professionals that you are, both of you. Um, I, I truly appreciate you participating in the podcast. I hope I can call on you together or separately to, uh, to jump in again on your subject matters uh, or anything new that you find coming, uh, coming across the wires that you think the visual wild listeners can be a part of. Um, Sean, just been great to have you around for a couple of months. And uh, uh, not that I want COVID to stay around for one millisecond longer than it needs to, but I am certainly enjoying having your talents here on the East coast. Uh, David, even though we are broadcasting from uh, downtown Rockville, Maryland, uh, I, as you know, I wish you nothing but best when you get back to Denver. And uh, if you are a professional uh, and you are looking for these guys' talents in your neck of the woods in, in the Midwest or uh, in LA, uh, they are two people I would absolutely be looking after and trying to call on, uh, if nothing else, for counsel. These are two really smart guys that uh, don't mind teaching. They don't always have to have a camera in their hands. Uh, and, and that's something that, that it takes a lot to understand that whole part of it. So to the both of you, to David and to Sean, I just wanted to, to say thank you again for everything you brought to the program. Uh, Sean is available. His website is Cameras. Dot com. He is on IG at Shawnee Cameras. That's S-E-A-N-N-I-E Cameras. Uh, David Hartsman, that's H-A-R-T-Z-M-A-N photo on Instagram. David Hartsman photo on Instagram. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, I'd like you both to uh, dig down deep and tell me something that's like a really super cool, relevant story. Uh, if you both don't have one, I'm okay with that. But Sean, tell me about something that you think uh, that the listeners can wrap their head around, something, something cool and exciting for from uh, your neck of the woods. Absolutely. I'm glad you asked that because, you know, I got into photography almost by accident where I just wasn't good at the things that I loved. I love music more than anything. I love skateboarding. I love graffiti and I love cook and chef culture and restaurant service industry culture and all that stuff. But I'm not really good enough to make money at doing either of those things or even to continue them as a hobby. So that's how I found photography because I wanted to be around these people and be a part of the journey as much as possible. And in doing that, I've gotten to work with James Beard award-winning chefs and mixologists. I've gotten to work with skateboarders and snowboarders that have now transcended into, you know, X Games levels and graffiti gods that have, you know, run the trains and the gamuts from all across the world. But the musicians I've been able to work with, I've worked with Grammy award-winning musicians and DJs and producers that you know, are, were my idols growing up and then my contemporary idols now. 
whether it be Slash from Guns N' Roses and spending the weekend with him in Miami or being with Skrillex before he became a household name and, you know, the bastion of EDM culture. But the most recent one that is a very, very, very interesting kind of like the power of social media and how it could really help you versus and how it can humble the shit out of you <laughs> at the same time was I was fortunate enough to get to work with Tom Morello of Rage Against the Machine and um, Audio Slave. My good friend, once again, Drew DeCaro, was on tour with him in his band, Vic Mensa and him, 93 Punks, at the end of last year. And I shot their show at the Belasco Theater in Los Angeles for a publication that I shoot for called Get Some Magazine, based out of Los Angeles. So, long story short, I'm shooting the show. The photos, I think, come out amazing. I'm super gassed. This is November. So, uh, mid-quarantine, I think it was around May, I get a DM on Instagram from a publishing company whose name I will withhold. And they send me a message. And they say, we found your work on Tom Morello's page. We are a publishing company based in the United Kingdom, and we are putting out a book that we would love to license your images for the book. I am floored. This is the best news I've heard in a long, long time in a world that is on fire. This is why we, essentially, why, you know, why I do it. Yeah, the money's great. Meeting chicks, hanging out with rock stars is really great. But we want to be remembered. We want our images to speak, whether it be Martin Luther King Jr. delivering his address on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial or me in a moment at the Blasco Theater with Tom Morello. I, I just want a moment that can leave behind that will live longer than I do. So I emailed this person back, said, absolutely, this sounds great. On Monday morning, I get the email from her outlining the terms. It's a quarter sheet. That payment is X. It's like $100. Just Actually, I'm going to say it. It's like $100. You don't make a lot of money, whether you do a, a, a portrait for the back of a photo, like a photo jacket for a book, or even, you know, in, in a book about rock stars. It, it was $100 for a quarter sheet. 6,800 books were being published around the world. Yada, yada, yada. It wasn't about the money. It was just about the photo in the book amongst 100 or 200 other photographers around the world. And then she shared the photo with me. And it wasn't my photo. And I was crushed. Because Tom received my photos from my good friend Drew, who was on tour with them. I sent them to Drew. Drew shared them with him. He said, these are incredible. And he posted them the next day on his Instagram. Well, the lead image was the one she wanted. And that image out of the, the carousel, once again, the carousel, out of the carousel was not my image. And I told her it wasn't my image. And I said, but I have 30 others from that night that I think are equally or actually way better than that image alone. Let me send them to you. I sent them to her. She didn't respond. After two days, I hit her up again. And I said, I would love to know before it goes to publish. And she said, oh, it already went to publish. So thanks, but no thanks. I was so mad. I'm still mad. I mean, that was four months ago. I'm still no, like... No, you're not mad. You're just a little bit personally crushed. Your ego's a little bit tainted. But you know what? You handled yourself properly. And and I think we've all been there. It actually, the same thing happened to me about eight or nine years ago. I was photographing a conference with Bill Gates, was one of the keynote speakers. And, um, 
and uh, he was being interviewed by somebody and I took a really cool picture of him with himself on the giant screen in the background. And lo and behold, they asked my permission and my picture was on Bill Gates's Twitter feed on his homepage as his anchor picture for exactly 36 hours, which is about 8,000 hours less than I wanted to show it to everybody in the free world to show them that my picture was on Bill Gates's uh, Twitter feed. So yeah, I get it where we we've all been there and then it goes away, but you you know what, Sean, Um, I know for a fact, your pictures were better than the ones that she picked. You know why? Because they were your pictures. Oh, thanks, Jack. David, anything you want to chime in before we wrap up? Well, just keep on. Uh, no, I, I really don't have anything to share here. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> At least he's honest. God bless him. I love, I love honest David. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, I really appreciate you guys being on the show, and uh, I take great personal satisfaction as well as professional satisfaction in both of your accomplishments. And I hope you'll come back and share more with our listeners. Um, I I really mean that. I've been thinking about this whole interview and the people that I've interviewed before you and what a completely different type of conversation this has been um, than than (laughs) some of my contemporaries. Um, Yeah, really, really feel special about this. Uh, And I I really look forward to having you guys on again. David Hartsman Photo. Uh, on Instagram, Shawnee Cameras on Instagram. Hey, just ask for Jack on Instagram if you want to look at some of my stuff. And uh, hey, folks, thanks for the visual community for tuning in. I'm Jack Hartsman, your host. We're out until next time. Thanks for listening to Visual Wow. If you like what you heard, like us on Facebook, Twitter, and tell your friends. Go to visualwow.com for more info. If you didn't like what you heard, just keep it to yourself. Know a pro we should be talking to on the show? Drop us a line. Talk with you next time on Visual Wow.